good evening. It's the football babble. Myself, Phil and Steve are here for the last babble of 2023. Good evening, Stephen. How are you? The last of 2023. You're getting ahead of yourself there, Phil. Oh, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> we actually Jesus. jumped into a time machine. Yeah. Too much back to the future this Christmas. <laughs> yes. Go on, go on ahead. How, how was your Christmas? That Christmas was fine, yeah. Um... Yeah, it was fine. It was absolutely fine. Um, family home. Uh, see, saw my niece for the first time. Saw my nephew for the first time in three, four years. Um, all that was excellent. Family, family, well. So can't complain at all. How about you? Yeah, great. Like, um, got through it. I suppose which everyone was probably that, that knows what happened. Got through it. it was great. Finn had a ball. Um, we got absolutely spoilt. Uh, I got some unreal gifts as well, which I wasn't expecting, which was class. Um. So very happy, and it's not over yet. Obviously, New Year's coming up, still not back to work yet, which is nice. Don't go back to Tuesday, don't want to go back, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's all good. Um, you had some biggish news though, Stephen, around the Christmas break. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, interesting, and uh, yeah, it's I, 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 well, I ghost wrote a book that's coming out next year. Um, a very interesting experience. Um, and yeah, it's published, it's called And the Bang on the Ear. It is the story of Philip Quinlan. He was a 15 year old, very promising athlete, um, ran cross country, played football, played rugby, um, was playing a local derby in Mead, um, went up for a header, and three months later, he woke up from a coma. Um, so we're what we try to do is um, tell the story of of Phil's life um, and, and through the eyes of someone with a with a like a brain injury. So the the book isn't chronological; it kind of skips around a lot. And there's an entire chapter, the chapter about how we received the concussion, where we we speak to loads of people who were there on the day, you know, hospital staff, uh, other players in the game, that kind of thing. But we've tried to to write it in such a way that you should feel you've had a concussion after you finish reading it. Now, I, I don't know if we've achieved it. Like the people who've read it have said yes. Like they they come away with the sense that this is something that they haven't read before. But we've tried a lot with it. We've tried a lot to to kind of make it um to make it stand out. Like, you know yourself, there's hundreds of sports books. Um, published every year and to, I just wanted to try and do something different with this one so yeah looking forward to uh, getting into everyone's hands on the 20th of March 2023 so um, available in all good bookshops and, and rubbish ones as well as they used to say on Soccer AM so <laughs> yeah well we'll all be getting buying copies of this and um, family members if you're listening to this you're also going to be getting copies bought of this uh, we'll be fully supporting obviously Steve and Phil on this, I've I'm lucky enough. I, I we spoke to the, about this privately beforehand when it was I think it was last year. Mm. Uh, so I've been super excited about it coming out, like because obviously, um, weirdly enough, I used to be one of your fans and read your <laughs> stuff, Steve. And then I got to know you, and I actually think you're a bit of a cunt. But but then we became friends, so you know, it all worked out in the end. Like, um, yeah, like I mean, no, all of those things are true at the same time. So. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so we've we've had also folks before we get into it, we've had an interesting chat on the the bubble whatsapp group tonight where i threw a grenade in um where i basically proclaimed that i'd like to see man city win the league 
which we'll talk about the Premier League in a minute, instead of Arsenal this year because I'm not having any of my mates happy whilst I am unhappy. Now, I don't think that's a, an unfair thing. Stephen, do you think, it, I think that's fine? I, yeah, I, I get it. I completely get like when when you first said it, I was like, why would you want City to win over Arsenal? Like it's been ages since Arsenal won, yeah. and City are your big rivals. But when you actually justified, when you actually explained the logic, it it actually it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, now I won't be cheering for Manchester City to win the league. I won't be cheering for Arsenal to win the league. Kind of hope the season gets cancelled and we all start again. But like you know, yes, that would be the ideal scenario. Yeah, but I don't know any like in my close circle of friends I don't have any Manchester City fans so I'm perfectly okay with them winning the league because I don't have to take a slagging from them so yeah, I too would prefer City over Arsenal especially yes. after all the things I said about Mikel Arteta and Arsenal over the last couple of years yes it's mostly my hatred for Mud yes uh, it's a healthy hatred I absolutely adore and love him to pieces and if he needed both of my kidneys he'd get both of them but I cannot have his team winning the league when my team does not win the league. And we know if they don't win the league now, it is a total and utter bottle job. So like, there is that as well. So. <laughs> yeah, this has been sent with love, Mud. I hope that hangover is healing very, very quickly for you, sir. Um, yes, the Premier League was back. And we're going to talk about briefing the Premier League and then we're going to talk. We're going to, we're going to be quite bold tonight. We're going to break off from, from football, stroke soccer. And we're going to talk about the NBA and the NFL because big things have been happening. And this is around the time of the year where I started to tune in a bit more to the NBA because the Christmas games are class and then... You get into the All Star break and then it's coming towards the playoffs. The bit beforehand, bit cracked, like, but it's not as serious. Um, and obviously, there's been big things happening in the NFL. We're also getting to the crunch time of that season too. But the Premier League came back um, at the week at Boxing Day, pardon me, and then through the week there. And randomly enough, all of our teams won, which I don't think's happened in a while <laughs> in the same game week where all of them have won. Um, on the same game. I was trying to remember the last time. I don't. I don't think it's happened for a long time. So, no, I don't yeah. think so either. Um, so yeah, like obviously United were playing the night. They they beat Forest three nil. Uh, Marcus Rashford continued on his form, played very well. We had to talk yeah. about Marcus Rashford as well. Um, because Cody Gakpo signed for Liverpool. Now, I, I'm not sure if. I think United were obviously interested in him, but this is just me being sensible for once. I know it's a bit of shock. I, United aren't clearly in a position where their current owners are going to want to spend any more money. That's yeah. what it looks like at the minute. So it got to mess. Look, looks like anyway, <clears throat> we got the stage where United were clearly interested, and then the owners, the current owners, are like, well, "We're selling the club, not going to be able to pay the money," and Liverpool have took an opportunity. Whereas if this is to like say next year and there's new owners, I think that deal gets done if United put them forward and they go and get it done. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that Liverpool. <clears throat> I'm not saying Liverpool came in and stole them here. I know that's been the case. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, slagging and whatever and, and cajoling going on between the fan bases, and there will continue to go on when other signings happen. I remember Mikel Sylvester signing. I think he signed on the day that Liverpool were playing Man United the morning. And there was a whole thing in the pub housing with Dad watching it in Banbridge, the whole slagging about it because he was going to be coming to Liverpool and Ferguson hijacked it. And that was a mm-hmm. hijacking, I think, at the time. I don't think this was the case. I think this is where Liverpool saw an opportunity because United weren't going to put forward the money for Gakpo. 
Yeah, and to be honest, I think nine. like it, it, it's a it's a really interesting one because when he was looking like he was going to sign for United, and I I agree with you, I don't think United were ever really going to to pay the money for a player in a position they don't necessarily need a player either, yeah. um, because they've spent a lot of money on that particular position over the last few seasons. Um, it was interesting to see Liverpool fans say like he was you know a stat pattern stat patter in a in a farmers league and then that's yeah. what United fans were saying after he signed for Liverpool so yeah. it, like I and I get it that's part of fandom uh, and it's part of the slagging that goes on between between fan bases I think I think he is a good player I think yeah it, it, there's always a concern when someone comes from the RDVC like are they really good or not and we've seen the good and the bad over the last few seasons um but you historically that league has produced phenomenal footballers you look at the original Ronaldo you look at Ruud van Nistelrooy you know it's not as if it's only ever like middle of the road footballers that, that, that come out with that league so I think Liverpool have signed a good player I think he fits better into what Liverpool are trying to do than United and I also think you're right from a financial and a board sense it makes more sense that Liverpool sign him um, what I do think is interesting is that there's still very clearly a, a hole at, at number nine for United. Um, I think the goal that Martial got the other night was as much to do with, with Wayne Hennessy, uh, not knowing what to do with his hands again um, than, than, than anything Martial did. So that's something I think it'll be interesting to see if they do spend any money there, if they go for a loan or something to kind of tie things over. But um, yeah, I think it, it is one of those things where I'm not like I think Gakpo is a phenomenal player, but I'm not too disappointed either. If that makes yeah. sense, yeah, I I think that's sensible. Like I think, um, I, I, I to be honest, I, I I thought the Liverpool fans that were calling him stop pattern all was just I hate that. Uh, I think it's just daft. Like this is a 23 year old, and then went to the World Cup and scored three in his first three games. Yeah, <laughs> a header, a left foot, and a right foot, like. The prospect of him signing for Manchester United as a Liverpool fan, in my eyes, was not ideal. Um, because he, he looks, he does look, and I'm not saying this because he's playing for Liverpool now, he does look like he has a lot of ability to be an unbelievable footballer, given the right tools, the right coaching, and the right system. And it's really interesting to see how he goes to Liverpool. And it is interesting Liverpool have gone now with Nunes and Gakpo, both the same age, both over six foot, after having previously had Firmino. Uh, Mane and Salah, who Salah and, and Mane obviously are, quite, are smaller than that. For me, no, we bit taller, like, but he's not. He's not Nunes and Gakpo. So change tactic a little bit. Both very quick, powerful. Both can probably prefer being out in the left. I think you'll see uh, Nunes go more out in the left, and you'll see Gakpo go sort of in the nine stroke, sort of ten position yeah. centrally, and then obviously Salah out wide. And then you have Diaz and Jalen come back. We're just talking about those three at the minute, so. Yeah, look, I was excited. Very interesting to see how it goes. What helped as well was Liverpool had just beat Aston Villa and looked back to themselves a bit um, yeah. on Boxing Night, the Stevens Night. Um, like, me and Paddy talked about this briefly the other day. One thing I was impressed with uh, as a Liverpool fan was that <clears throat> this season we've looked fragile too many times. Mm. Like, we've gone into the league, but you haven't thought, I don't know if they're going to see this out. Then a team's got a goal back, and you see Liverpool start to shake. That didn't happen. They they had like a 15-minute period where Villa were pressing, Villa got a goal, and then Liverpool just shut it down. 
and it was back to what you saw them do uh, the last three or four seasons before that. And the subs that came on made a huge difference as well. Bajetic gets his first goal, which is a really clever finish. Just a great all round performance. Like Villa, they're not they're not like world beaters, but they're they're no dozers. Like I think it was in their last or second last league game they, they beat Manchester United. They've already beaten Liverpool this season and are ahead of Liverpool, so they're not mugs. So Liverpool handled it really well. And then announced that so it was a decent night, but um it'd be interesting to see how Gakpo goes. I think as well, we're talking about Liverpool United here, like Anyone that thought Casemiro, <laughs> I saw a thing being said. Uh, the lines always said, um, I think I've used it to slight people as well. To be fair, Real Madrid don't let you go unless uh, they don't let players leave unless they, they know they're coming towards the end or something. Um, because they've obviously held on the cruise and on Rodgers, blah, blah blah. Like, I know it's only not enforced, but when Casemiro wants to, he can shut the game down on his own. Yeah, and I am sick of seeing him doing it. Trust me, <laughs> I am sick to the back teeth. I said it to one of my mates the other night. I was like, "This is a sad indictment of Manchester United's transfer dealings over the the last decade and a half." But he's honestly the best defensive unit, midfielder United have had since Keane. That's how long we've been waiting to see a player play it. Think he's better than Carrick. Yeah. Yeah, I was never a huge Carrick fan. And for the same reasons, probably, that I'm unfairly harsh on Jordan Henderson, I I'm probably was as harsh on Carrick, even though they're probably... I, Henderson's obviously a better player, I think. But I think I didn't give them the credit that they deserved. Whereas I think you, you saw a lot more of the... You know, there's this thing about the un, the un, the unseen work that these defensive midfielders do, the space they fill, and things like that, and that has to get a lot of praise. And I think it's rightly kind of remarked upon. But with the likes of Casemiro and Keane, what you see is both the end product and the shift they put in defensively, and the fact, like. Casemiro could probably play 10 if you asked him <laughs> and he's, he's played centre half like he's just got a phenomenal range in his ability and I just think you know a lot of people today are talking about the, the Graeme Souness quotes about Casemiro and it's just it's pretty much like that like it was the idea that the Real Madrid don't let you go and he what did he say like at Real Madrid he was he was playing with great players but he's not a great player he's never been a great player I see him as a steady Eddie who will help Manchester United be more solid. I don't think he's got any great range in passing. I don't think he's going to make other people play. He made Fred look like fucking Pele the other night with the pass that he sent through to him. <laughs> like the idea that he doesn't. And he was, I, I like, I, I didn't hit, see any of the World Cup at all, but I heard like great reports about Casemiro, like when he did, did play in it and stuff like that. So this idea that he's not a good player, look. <laughs> Look at his medal collection for fuck's yeah. sake, like you know. Um, and you and know, of course, <clears throat> when I was saying there, he is obviously better than, and before people write in, better than Michael Carrick. What I meant was at United, <laughs> sorry, because obviously Carrick was so successful at Manchester United, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Keane, uh, with Casemiro. And on the World Cup, the, the one game where he maybe wasn't at his best, and Brazil maybe weren't at their best, was the Croatia game where he got caught. Um, and he, he's against Luka Modric, so you know, there's there's not really you can't really fault him there. It wasn't his fault. But Brazil just didn't look as slick at times. Yeah, I forgive him for not being at his best yeah. against one of the best players to yes. ever play the sport. <laughs> yeah, I think um, like anyone that is a United fan should have should really have not let this transfer happen. 
yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> it's what United needed. They needed it massively. Thankfully, they didn't get him three or four years ago, or that would have been completely bollocks. Um, but he is such a good player, and I am. I'm not just saying this. No said I am sick to the back teeth of seeing him play against Liverpool because he I, he just plays so well against us, especially Anfield in the knockout gate round the year Chelsea won the Champions League. He was phenomenal. It was it's one of the best performances by an opposing player that I've seen in years. Uh, he was absolutely phenomenal that night. Um, that's you know what that's the thing that grass. yes. And that's the thing I love about him. I think he's one of those players that he infuriates opposition fans, but there's a yeah. respect there for how good he is. Yeah. Um, and as panic boys go, which is what he was, um, it wasn't a bad one, it has to be said. Like sometimes these you, you do look into these things. Um, but yeah, like he isn't like yeah, I'd love if he was three or four years younger, but he is only 30. We probably have four seasons of him playing yeah. still at a really yep. peak level. Um I genuinely think, and this is going to fucking come back to haunt me, but I think if you can, I think you can win a Premier League basing your team, like building your team around a player like Casemiro. And the thing, like when, when he first joined, he wasn't getting games. Like, it's not like he, he instantly walked into the sky, squad. He had to work his way into that team, but he's really showing his value now. And um, there's, it feels a bit like, now, obviously, Larson was older and obviously played in a different position, but it feels a bit like that kind of transfer where you think you're signing someone, maybe a little bit Michael Owen as well. You think you're signing someone on the, the tail end of their career, but actually they can really help you in ways you haven't considered. And I think part of that is you have to remember, like the rest of that United midfield are watching what he's doing in training day in and day out. Like you learn from that. It's Varane with the with the, the centre halves as well. And I know he's had his injury issues. But like people were doubting Varane's commitment to the club. He asked to play the other night. He could have had the other night off because of how late he played into the World Cup. And I think you can only become a better player, unless you're Harry Maguire, of course. But you can only become a better <laughs> player by looking at these guys, the likes of Varane, Casemiro and stuff like that. So I'm I'm getting less quiet about it, but I'm quietly confident that that this is a side. They're still a long way. Don't get me wrong. They're still a long way behind Liverpool and and, and Manchester City and even Arsenal. But they're going to get there, I think. And this is the first time I felt like I could say that in ten years. So, um, and Casemiro is a huge part of that. He's an absolute massive part of that. But so is Marcus, was... Marcus Rashford. You know, um, yeah. and I know I joke about him. Like, and you know, I had I was, again. I didn't see any of the World Cup, but I was slagging Pen Bappe. Um, but like, I honestly on his day, there's I don't know if you've seen the alternative Manchester United YouTube account. Is this going to be all... takes? No, no, no. But it does this alternative co- uh, commentary on United games, <laughs> and every time uh, Rashford touches the ball, the 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 joke, the running joke is, is he going to be Pele or Walcott? And that's what you get with Rashford. They're, like that's the ceiling to floor with him. Like he can be phenomenal. He can exactly be only... what I was saying. To you. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I think, I think I genuinely, I've spoken before to, to you and to the lads about like the negative influence like someone like Ronaldo has on on Bruno, for example. But you don't think about the effect that it has on players like Rashford who are kind of maybe less sure of themselves, less sure of their spot within the team. And now I think you see him flourishing since, since Ronaldo kind of went out with the side. And, you know, he's doing all his great off the field work still. So that's not like, it's not, Excuse me, it's not like that's distracting him. 
um or and so I think you can get yourself a footballer who can do both you know score and assist you know in, in a Premier League match and go and do nice charity work on the side as well so I I'm I'm Rizzo's gonna kill me and happy birthday Rizzo by the way um yeah but uh, yeah I think there's there's so many green shoots this year with United that it's as it's as and I got, again, like, look, it was Forest, and Forest were terrible. But, you know, those are games United were losing and drawing for the last decade and a half. So I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. Do, do you think um, part of it as well is that because you've been starved a little bit and you've had, like, Mourinho won trophies, don't get me wrong, but it was so toxic at times and just yeah. felt negative. Then Solskjaer came in, <clears throat> he'd one or two unbelievable results but then again it was the same thing and then you had Ronaldo in and then it was the same thing it felt a bit toxic and he didn't want to be there and blah 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 and now because Ten Hag's come in and, and he's just like completely wiped the slate started the club again not started the club again sorry but started from scratch again and got them going do you think because of that's happened that as a United fan base things are heightened for you now so like the likes of Casemiro playing well against Nottingham Forest Rashford on a run, Garnacho coming through. It's it's the excitement's even bigger now because you've been stuck, not listening or looking at so much shit for a little while. Because I know that was that was for us. As soon as Klopp came through the door, and his first game was nil nil against Tottenham. But as soon as Klopp came through the door, you're, you're just like ah bang, here we go. You felt yeah. that jolt. You, you don't see the jolt. Ten Hag's different, as in yeah. Klopp's very charismatic, uh, and like he holds a room. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp was his personality, and whatever when he came in, was Ten Hag's more like a silent assassin. Yeah, does, what I mean by that? he does. He definitely seems people. more. That was one. Like I remember his first press conference with United, and a lot of the commentary around it was, "Jesus, this guy is like a wet blanket. Like you know, he's there's no charisma about him at all." But he clearly gets the attention of the players. He they clearly believe in 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 what he's. He's trying to do, um, and yeah, I think it's a different reaction. But I think you're right. It's there's a positivity about the football. There's there is a discernible style of play that they're trying to achieve, and they're doing achieving it more often than they're not. Um, uh, I, I do think they they still do play into that underdog role where they are happy to. To kind of sit back, defend, and, and attack on the break, and they even do that against sides like Forest and things like that, and that's fine. Like, look, like, you build from the back, you become a team that's solid defensively, and you eventually go up and you score goals. But I think, yeah, it's he's he's someone you can get behind, you can defend, um, the way you couldn't with Mourinho because yeah, you, there's a couple of trophies in there, but it was horrible to watch. Like, there was no no enjoyment in actually watching it. Where there is an enjoyment about this, like, um, so yeah, hopefully. Um, but like I said, I think it's really interesting that Liverpool seem to have found their groove now again as well. And I wonder what sort of title, not title race, because I think it is a two horse race. But I think United and and Liverpool, the way they're playing can have a big say on actually how the title goes in the end. Um, and even Spurs, like, like Mud, Mud won't like me saying it, but, like, you know, they did what had to be done the other night um, or the other day. And I think Newcastle, like, it, you know, as much as I don't like the ownership, they are playing, like, some really good football as well. So it's, 
it, it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. I, yeah, hundred percent. I, I think I think both Liverpool and United will get into the top four, um, but as again, a lot, lot can happen. Um, yeah. And really and truly, the season not starting now because both sides are so far back. Season's not starting anywhere for title race for both sides, um, <clears throat> but for top four, you sort of feel like this is it now, kicking yeah. on. The World Cup's over. I think we talked about it before players maybe. <clears throat> Sort of half saving themselves for the World Cup, yeah. Maybe not as fully committed, and um, which is totally understandable. Like you're going to go to a World Cup, and um, whereas now they're back, and you, you, like there's just so much football is going to happen, especially in the next two or three months, and then there's an international break. Yeah, no, no, thanks for that. There's a lot to go. Yeah, there's a lot to go on. Um, so I, and I think both teams will be right slap bang in the mix. I think they're both going to catch Spurs, to be honest, and I think Newcastle have looked great. I just don't see them sustaining that. Um, but then at the end, like again, it's hard to give them credit because of who their owners are. But if they were to finish fifth, that's a massive bonus for them in in the Europe. Yeah, and they'll kick on again. But uh, yeah, like I, I, it's hard to really. I don't want to get too much over Chelsea and Arsenal because the lads aren't here, and I'd rather they talk yeah. about their teams. But both teams got wins. Obviously, Chelsea though beaten. Um, what do you call them? Uh, Bournemouth, two uh, 0 the other night. But strangely, when they lost Reese James, it was as if somebody like pulled the superpower out of them. Yeah, they completely looked like a different team. And I know I I give Brenton a bit of a dig over Trent and Reese James. Like Reese James, a phenomenal player, and he's ha- he is like he's having such an impact on that side. He was unreal when he was on um, the other night, and then he went off an injury, and it seemed to just knock stuff out of him and. They were two 0 up, so they were comfy. But another team, a different night, that could end up uh, in tears for Chelsea, really, because they they, they were yeah. given uh, Bournemouth plenty of chances, plenty of opportunities. They just lacked the cutting edge. Um, so it's worrying times for Chelsea, depending on Reece James so much, and now he's out again for at least a month. Mm. It is worrying for them. I think they are very much a club in transition which is a really strange thing because it's, it's all obviously self-inflicted um with ownership and, and and changing coaches and things like that but yeah i think uh, have to say you now i think liverpool if you lose trent to an injury like that mid game uh, what looked like it was going to be a lot longer than a month kind of injury i think maybe that knocks the stuffing out of liverpool sales as well but Liverpool have obviously their front three and they've other players who you can kind of rely on. Like Chelsea don't to a certain extent. Um as James is that kind of bit head and shoulders in terms of class above above a lot of players in, in in that squad. But you're right, like it felt like if they were playing anybody else, um they, they that game could have ended a, a lot differently. Um I think they're going to struggle to 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 get Champions League football. I think there's too many too many teams fighting for it. And I think Chelsea are going to be one of the ones to uh to miss out. Um I think, you know, they're what, twenty four points, only a point behind Liverpool, but it feels like they're in a worse position. Does that make sense? Like it, it it's hard to kind of describe it, like because it's a vibe, and I know that's like really awful analysis. But it does feel like they're in a worse position than a lot of the teams around them, especially losing a player like Reese James as well. 
Yeah, it's. I wouldn't say I don't like. I don't know how worried they'll. They'll probably think they still have enough. Um, but as you said, for them and from <clears throat> in my opinion, anyway, the, the teams above them, uh, I think especially both of our teams are in a better position, better state. Yeah. So then they're relying on Arsenal or Man City or winning the Champions League, obviously having yeah. a complete meltdown. And I just don't know. But as I said to Brentley tonight, Chelsea are probably the team out of the top six that can uh, not make the Champions League and just be like, meh. Do you know what I mean? Because it happened before. They finished like 10th or 11th and then they went and got Conte and won the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like, ah, right, okay, no bother. Yeah. It doesn't seem to have... Whereas like, obviously for Liverpool this year, because they've been in it for a couple of years in a row, to be kicking the stones. Manchester United want to get back into it, kicking the stones. Spurs would be a massive effect for them. Uh, the other two, I don't think are going to really uh, have to be too worried. I think they're going to get it. So, yeah, it's 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 a strange one. But um, I think if they give Potter time, things will work out. You just worry that if they were to finish, say, 6th or 7th, that they, for Graham Potter, they'd go in somewhere, say later, Graham, and then there could be potentially a few already at an elite level managers yeah. still available. Luis Enrique, uh, Pochettino, people like this, and Zinedine Zidane, obviously, and you can see one of them managing Chelsea and starting on the sideline to start of next season. But um, Then the Arsenal. Mm. Keep winning, Steve. Still top of the league. They play Newcastle uh, soon. Uh, I'm not sure if it's next, but play Newcastle soon and obviously third. They've City come up in February. What do you think? Do you think they're going to hang on here or do you think the wobble's going to come? I think the wobble has to come, right? That's This is the thing. The wobble has to come. They're not going to continue this kind of form. Was it one draw, one last 15 games? Like, do you want do you want their next four games in in go on. in the league? Brighton away on Friday, on Saturday at half five. Newcastle at home on Tuesday, then the VFA Cup, then the Tottenham away, and then the United at home. I think Arsenal fans have to be happy with six points from those four games. Genuinely. Suppose if they beat if they beat Arsenal if they beat uh, Tottenham United they'd be happy. Yeah, well, they're the two games I think they'll lose. <laughs> um, I think, you know, United obviously are the only team to beat them in the league this season. Dramatic pause to for Mo to get angry. Um, but Ericsson nearly being killed again in that game. Um, and I I just think there's... It, it, it's... It's really difficult to to keep going the way you you've seen it. Like Liverpool and City have been exceptional at not dropping points. There's been nothing in Arsenal's recent past to show that they're not that, that they're capable of you know reaching that hundred point mark or close there to like. Um, I think City looked ominously good the other night as well. Um, I thought Spurs. Spurs were okay at the weekend, as I said. I thought United were okay as well. I think Brighton, it's really difficult to know really what they are without Potter's influence, but it feels like things have kind of just clicked back into place, not too badly at all. So there's a chance for them to... And then Newcastle, as we said, like Newcastle won five, five in a row, maybe more. Um, 
you know, like there's a scenario, like I don't think this will happen, but there's a scenario where Arsenal don't take any points from their next four games. Now they'll probably turn around and, and win all four and Mud will very gleefully come onto this podcast and, and tell me I talk in shy. But you can actually, it, it, that you don't have the confidence, this is the point I'm trying to make, I guess. You don't have the confidence in them going through those four games unscathed the way you would say City or Liverpool of previous seasons and even Liverpool the way they looked the other night. And that's the difference. I think it's, you know, for a club that was famously invincible, they do look anything but. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think it'll probably be more realistically nine points from from the four games, but I genuinely wouldn't be stunned if they only took six. Um, I mean, that would, you would think then that would leave them uh, one point ahead of City. Hmm. Which is fine. Like I think, given that that yeah. difficult run of 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 games, I think you'd you'd take it. Like it, and this thing, it, like it's City are going to have a run as well, and City will have a wobble as well. And yeah, their wobble will probably be less, but you know, it gets very like they get two relatively easy games after that run of four, and then it's the City game, and that really is the kind of yep. That's going to decide so much because actually that City game, I'm just looking here at the fixtures, is sandwiched between four very winnable games, you know? So, and, and games they absolutely should win um, if they've if they've legitimate title aspirations. So I wouldn't, again, it's just, it's okay to say teams that will lose games because they will. That's what happens, you know? So um, I just think they have to be ahead of City when they play City. I think that's hugely important for Arsenal for their title hopes. Um, and it just depends on what that margin of their lead over City is. It, it could potentially be one point behind. It could be still five points ahead. It could, like, we don't know what's going to happen. It's a tough run of games. I I think, um, I think Saturday night away to Brighton is <laughs> like... Really difficult because uh, we saw how good Brighton have been, and you mentioned like the Zerbies come in and it hasn't changed. In fact, they've looked a bit better at times. They'll, they'll have Alexis McAllister mm. back as well, I'd imagine, too. Uh, World Cup winner who's been massive for them. So, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way here. like, this is how like, and I'll let I sorry, Phil, for interrupting you, you but I, I, I think if they're five, if they're still four or five points ahead of City when they play City, I think Arsenal will win the league. I think if they're anything less. I think City will win the league. That's how close this is. That's how tight this is. But I think if City can smell blood and we're are within legitimate, we control this catching distance, then City win the league. But who knows? I think you're right. I think Saturday is a lot harder game than maybe a lot of Arsenal fans are thinking. Not more because he's he's been very cautious this season, and you know he's not getting too far ahead of himself. Yeah. But a lot of Arsenal fans are already looking. Well beyond that Brighton game, um, both to Newcastle, obviously to Spurs, and then for the revenge at United, and that's what trips you up is those games that you look past. You know, the too often that happens in all sports. You know, I, I, I think City will come past them, but I don't think it's, <clears throat> uh, I don't think it's a shameful thing or like a, a disgrace or anything for Arsenal. Like this is the season. What? Like, I don't think they'll win the league, but what they want this season to then be, um, obviously they want to win the league, but I don't think they will, is to be the next step. Whereas next year, the Champions League football, they add that squad, they come back, and then they're ready to go at it again. 
I just I, I looked at City all night. They have that mutant up front. <laughs> they have Kevin De Bruyne, who's just playing just superb. Um, Jack Grealish, probably not playing well, gets two assists. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he missed, midf- yeah, he missed about five. Yeah, he missed about five or six. <laughs> Rodri in midfield, who has the same thing that Casemiro has, where he can kick lumps out of everyone but not get booked. It's yeah. an unbelievable skill. It's an actual skill. Um, uh, of Kanji in, midf- in defence, going to be Ruben Diaz, Kyle Walker to come back, Cancelo to come back f- uh, fully into the squad, the Gomez signed as well. Bernardo, so I just... It's just, it's the squad silly. depth, like yeah, and, and, and like there's no shame in finishing second to no, a team tr- that is in this year, you know I've, at all. Trust me, I've been there. <laughs> but Do it's a team I mean? that's built yeah. not to lose a single game in a season, and they have proven yeah. fallible this year, like you know. Yeah. But like yeah. you're talking about those that quality of players, and I think Arsenal's starting eleven is really really good. It's probably right up there with City and Liverpool in terms of the best starting 11s in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. It's after that. That's where City have the advantage. It's the players they can bring in. And again, like I I don't particularly want either team to win the league, but like the the odds are stacked against Arsenal and not because of anything they've done. It's just because of the way City are built. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. It kicks off again tomorrow night. Liverpool uh, where to Leicester, and I think West Ham playing someone as well. I had it in full now too. Um, tomorrow evening, so it's back again. Um, this this is going to feel like we're on a constant roller coaster now. I think until the end yeah. of the season, it's going to be manic. Um, before we finish off in the football, Steve, tonight some very sad news came through just as we were coming on the podcast. I want to leave it towards us finishing off in the football segment. Uh, Pele. Has passed away at the age of eighty-two. Hmm. Um, I saw a tweet earlier as well, <clears throat> and I think this is resonates with me too, and yourself. Um, I never saw Pele live. You never saw Pele live, but even I'm not that old. <laughs> but my like my dad, I don't know what your dad would have always said. Well, my dad would say George Best too. To be fair, that Pele, um, was the greatest of all time. Like three World Cups, what he did, and how good he was. You said it as well. I know you've tweeted about it. Like he, he tran he was bigger than the sport. Yeah. Which I think when our lads Teddy Miles and Finn are all at our age, people might say it's similar about Lionel Messi. I think so. Yeah, I think but so. So at this stage now we're talking about Pele. Like it's just it is sad, but it's also like. It's mad the effect he had on the world. Never mind just sport. Like he was just he was an iconic person. Do you know what I mean? He's like yeah. like with if you feel as if you've lost feel as if someone's past that was just like sort of I don't know stupid shaped stuff in the world. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That I think you're right. you're right. He made first of all he made football a truly global sport, right? Because. Football was obviously huge. It's the biggest sport in the world. But football had never cracked America. Pele helped football crack America, right? And you have to be truly global. You have to crack, you know, one of the most influential countries in the world. So I think think that's huge. I think I tweeted this earlier. I think the, the likes of Pele, Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali, why they're so important is because they changed how we thought about sport. They changed how we wrote about sport. They invented a new way of playing the game 
or of 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 boxing or of golf and we had to invent a new way of thinking about it and a new way of talking about it yeah and like <sighs> Pele was 17 when he played in a world cup final and sword he was still afraid of the dark he was a child like a 19 a 17 year old in 1958 is a lot different than a 17 year old in 2022 like he was literally a child and there he was mixing with the absolute best players in the world. Um, just a kid who was able to kind of step up and, 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 and just transcend the sport he played. I, I, I just think we won't, there's a, like, you kind of appreciate you can appreciate now because we're in it how good Pele was. It's like it you never really appreciate people when, when they're still playing. It's the Tom Brady conundrum, it's the Tiger Woods conundrum, it's the Lionel Messi conundrum. That you don't know what's to come, so you can't fully appreciate the whole work. With Pele, we could, and I think that was the advantage we had because we didn't see him play. He was long retired, like when we were were were, were interested in football. But the, it's what you said. It's that people out knowing football, you show them a picture of Pele, and they know exactly who he is and what he did. Um, and I think there are so few of those. There are so few of those sports people, uh, and they're going to get less and less because the world's a bigger place and there's more more attention on it and, uh, on on different things competing for your attention. But he was just. You only have to look at the sheer volume of goals he scored. Three World Cups. It's it's interesting to try and like compare eras as well because this was also he was doing all this and being as skillful as he was in an era where defenders, could, if they really wanted to, break your leg and just get a yellow card for it. So you'd wonder how good he would be now in an era when players are a bit more protected and things like that. But I also don't want that either because I want to just remember him for how effortless, effortlessly cool he was, how interesting he made football. Um, and he's also the reason I own a New York Cosmos jacket, which is one of the coolest things, items of clothing I wear. I own, so <laughs> I have to give him that as well. Yeah. Yeah, like I had a, used to have a Pele t-shirt and it was uh, one of those printed ones where he had signed it. It was bright yellow like the Brazil top and unfortunately it got lost when it was at uni. Um, but like 17 winning the World Cup one of three times involved in 1970 World Cup where people argue probably the greatest international side of all time. Uh, scored so many goals. I know there's a joke going, always that he made a lot of them up or whatever, but uh, he still scored thousands of or a couple, like a couple of hundreds of goals anyway. Scored close to a thousand goals anyway, whatever he made up. Um, whatever he made up, yeah. has, I think he had down to twelve hundred seventy-nine or something. But um, well, yeah, one thousand two hundred eighty-nine. I think yeah. is the last number I saw. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, you're right, completely made up. Uh, <laughs> I saw someone tweet something about uh, like uh, the friendly goals and all this here and whatever. Another thing was that people would say, because the talk of the minute would be Messi being the greatest and Maradona and Pelé, and, and then people would throw in, you yeah, we never played in Europe. But like this was the fellow who played at Santos. 
won so many Brazilian titles. I think it was three Copa Libertadores, two international cups. Like it was a different era. You didn't have to play across Europe then to be playing in the best leagues in the world. Like we saw them. If you look back on historical videos, or if you look back at like I watched the Three Kings, Paisley, Stein, and and Busby the other night. And if you go back and read what happened, I know, uh, not Paisley, sorry, Shankly. Um, Shankly never won the European Cup, but when Paisley did, they went and played teams in the, the old club, Cup Winners' Cup, which was the International Cup, I think or something it was called. They never got close to those teams. You know, they played Sao Paulo and different things, or Flamengo. They never got close. They were always beaten by them because they were so, so, so good. And Pele dominated parts of that era. Um, when he was at Santos, likewise, like uh, United, I don't think they won it either. When they went through with Busby, they were beaten too. These weren't they weren't mugs. These leagues weren't shite leagues. No. People just they disrespect them because of what they think the leagues are now. It's a completely different era. He dominated like it was an absolute phenomenon. Uh, probably like. Himself, Maradona, and I, the, the most famous name in football, as you said, one of the most famous names in sport, one of the most famous humans. Just a real sad moment. Like, we knew how ill he was, and unfortunately, yeah. the way social media is, people posting all nonsense for weeks now that he passed and different things, and it just didn't feel right. But um, he's at peace now, um, and there'll be, there'll be so much uh, coverage of it. Um, weirdly, when someone iconic dies you get some of the best sports writing um, I'm not yeah. saying people sports stars should die all the time so we get good writing yeah. but it rarely happens do you know what I mean like we get someone and I've actually been reading Hugh McElvenny's book well it's a book about all his like uh, articles um, and he had so so much love for Pele so I'm going to try and hook out some of the stuff he would wrote in Pele because some of it is going to be literally like get your hands on all of it. I'm gonna if you, I know you're probably like me, Steve. Will you'll be like a sponge just taking it all in, yeah. reading lots of it. But um, sad moment like um, Pele's gone. Pele, Maradona, Cruyff. Mm-hmm. Like actually, it's Cruyff quote. I think we it would be good to finish on Pele. On is it's one of my favorite quotes, and he he called Pele the only footballer who surpassed the boundaries of logic. And I think that was true until Maradona and, and Messi came along. But I think it, it he was the first footballer to... He shouldn't have been able to do what he was able to do. Uh, and that's what made him so special. And I think, yeah, for the next few days, like, I am just going to read and read and read because Brian Phillips in the ringer had a, an amazing piece on his goal in the 58 World Cup final um, two weeks ago. And you could almost read that as an obituary now, uh, because it's 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 so well um, it's so well written, and it kind of there's a knowingness there that he's he's going to depart this world soon. But yeah, you're right. Like it is one of those it's one of those weird things that when, especially when sports people die, when really great sports people die, the sports writing that comes out of it is just phenomenal um and it's one of the things we do well as a as a species we do a lot of things wrong as, as the human race but we honor our dead very very well we do um <clears throat> Stephen, we'll break off from the football yeah um, can i just say by the way people probably heard me laugh in the background there during that segment on pele right and i was laughing because you mentioned three kings and you put that in the whatsapp group the other day and i 
for whatever reason, thought you were talking about the 1999 film starring Mark Wahlberg, Ice Cube, and George Clooney. <laughs> I oh, didn't geez. realize you were talking about the documentary. No, if you haven't seen it, it's, <laughs> it's the uh, it's the documentary on Shankly, Busby, and Stein, <clears throat> the three kings that ruled British and European football uh, coming up. And, and like, weirdly, for me anyway, I came away from it just wanting to know more about Matt Busby. Mm. Like, uh, uh, Fergie was different because he ruined my childhood, but Busby, you did, there's a real, like, a grandfatherly warmth off him. Uh, it comes across in that anyway, and even the way, like, he was, so, <clears throat> when I watched it, Stein was the, was a, a genius, uh, real tough man, um, obviously, he'd gone across to the Vikes. He's a Protestant man in Celtic. Uh, mm. Bigger man, sort of sort of burly man, um, uh, and whatever. Busby was like sort of a he's a brilliant tactician as well, but comes across more sort of a gentle, just sort of a like a sweetheart in a way, um, and real like sort of fatherly figure, uh, real warmth. And Shankly's a complete menace. <laughs> <laughs> A tactical genius, but a com- a complete fucking menace, um, of the group, and it's just the way like Busby even is so close to the to the two of them, and that he was very close to the Shankly, and sort of like a big brother type thing as well. Like it was a lovely, lovely film, brilliant film, got me really sort of nostalgic reading reading back. That's why I got the the McIlvenny book, um, because obviously he covered three of them a lot, and um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant, it, it's well worth your time if you get an hour and a half. No, I'll definitely watch that because. I've actually been kind of doing a lot. Of, uh, the final paragraph of the book that I, I finished with, with Phil is about Shanky and it's about his quote about his very his famous quote about, you know, football is more important than life. You know, football uh, is a matter of life and death um, and it's more important, it's more important to you. But actually, most people misunderstand that quote, and I think that's it, it. He fascinates me as a character because everyone, everyone thinks it's about like how important football is. But actually, what he's talking about is how much football cost him. Uh, and I unearthed yeah. a, a TV interview he did in 1981, where he's talking about you only get out of the game what you put into it, and I put everything yeah. into it I could, and I still do. I pull on put all my heart and soul into it to the extent that my family suffered. And he's asked by Shelley Road, who's the, the, the interviewer, like, do you regret it? And he says, yeah, I regret it a lot. Uh, somebody said that football is a matter of life and death to you. And I said, listen, it's more important than that. And after like, when you, when you see it in the context of what he actually meant that like it, he has to consider it so important. He has to consider that football means this much because he sacrificed so much of his life for his football, for his, his crafts, for his art. And I just find him a fascinating character in a way I never thought he did because, you know, he was, he was a Liverpool manager. So I was supposed to hate him or whatever like that. And I think the Busby thing is interesting because I think nobody ever had to do what Busby did, you know, to, to take a football club that was literally in ruins and, and to come back and 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 win a European title, like it, it, you have to have like just unbelievable character, unbelievable belief in yourself, 
and he probably he's easier to warm to in a way that you know you never maybe could as a Liverpool fan to Ferguson obviously because you know as you said many times on this podcast Ferguson ruined your childhood but you know it's how I that's how I feel about Ferguson like a granddad figure and I think a lot of like older United fans older even older than me would have felt that that way about about Bullsby as well like that kind of grandfather figure so it is fun, funny that like we you can kind of you can completely change your mind on a person once you really get to know them. And I think sports documentaries are great for, for helping that. So I'll definitely check out that. Yeah, I'd recommend to anyone that hasn't uh, seen it on listen to this podcast, check it out. Before we move on as well from the football, <clears throat> Antoine Griezmann has just come out to play for Atletico Madrid tonight and his hair is pink. Okay. And it's an absolutely wild pink as well. <laughs> um, so, fair play, Greasy. Uh, yes, we're going to move on, and there's the three Argentinian World Cup winners coming out too. Yes, you um, do. <laughs> we're going to move on, as you do, yeah. Um, let's start with, let's rip the band-aid off. Yeah. Let's start in NFL, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, Stephen's a Raiders fan. Uh, I'm a Raiders fan, but I also like to see the Raiders lose because they're going to lend slag Stephen and Rezo. It's just my thing. I'm evil. Deal with it. Um. And I was on my phone the other night and the news broke that Derek Carr is being benched by the Raiders. Now, anyone that maybe didn't get to hear the Babel screen when we did it will un- will uh, won't know, but Stephen is a massive Raiders fan, obviously, as I say, but also you're a firm believer in Derek Carr. And you're not the only person. I think anyone who's watched NFL also believes in Derek Carr is uh, a good quarterback. <clears throat> Possibly one of the top Eight or ten in the league. I I would argue, yeah, I would argue he he's definitely he well up until this season was definitely a top eight quarterback. The, the thing about cool. yeah, he could win he could win any team that wasn't the Raiders a Super Bowl. <laughs> so you have to remember in his entire nine seasons with the Raiders, the best defense he ever had was ranked twenty eight out of thirty two. If you look at quarterbacks who win Super Bowls, their defense are generally ranked in the top 10. So he was kind of, he was, you know, playing from behind the, the cue ball, you know, from, from the start. Mm-hmm. Carr is such a, a divisive figure among the Raiders fan base, and I've never understood it because there are lots of Raiders fans who do not like him at all. But also, like, there's, there's, there's nobody, literally nobody better out there. Like, the Raiders have the potential to maybe pick up a quarterback in the draft. But if they were to look at free agency, there's forty two hundred year old Tom Brady. There's maybe Aaron Rodgers who shows showing signs of being falling off a cliff in terms of talent. And there's a slim, slim, slim chance of getting Lamar Jackson if the Baltimore Ravens absolutely mess that up, right? Mm-hmm. Every other quarterback that's available to the Raiders is worse than Derek Carr. And that's how good he is. Like he he if he went to the Tennessee Titans or the Indianapolis Colts or or you know a number of teams, he instantly makes them a top four team within the AFC, which means they have a chance of making the Super Bowl every single year. The Raiders never back that up. Now, that said, Carr has played really, really badly this year, but it is his fourth 
offensive coordinator in nine years. He's fought a new playbook. He's had to learn in nine nine years, and and I don't I don't know if if regular soccer listeners of this podcast realize how complex a playbook is. But I mean, th- it's like that's a new language. Yeah, it's essentially learning a new language. Yeah, and he's had to do that four times over the course of his career, and you could tell he wasn't comfortable with the 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 playbook this year. And to be honest, Josh McDaniels, who you know has won multiple super super bowls with the the New England Patriots, has been really poor as a play caller this year. It's been so predictable. It's been run on first down, screen on second and long, ball to Devontae Adams on third and long, punt on fourth down. It's been incredibly, incredibly predictable what the Raiders are going to do. Uh, and yet they've still managed, with the exception of one game, to keep games close. Like they, they have a losing record this season, but with the exception of one game, they've lost every single one of those games by a touchdown or less. Um, so they, they could potentially, in, a, in a, an alternative universe, be a really, really good team this year. But it just hasn't happened for whatever reason, and Carr is one of those reasons. And I think it's it it's one of those things where he won't be back because the reason they're wrestling him uh, is because if he got injured over the next two games, he'd be guaranteed forty two million dollars, and that would affect the Raiders' ability to sign another quarterback. So it's pretty clear he's he he's gone now um, from from the Raiders. But. I just don't know what, like, it's not going to solve anything. It's not going to make the defense better. It's not going to make the play calling better. It's definitely not going to make the receivers better. So, so what do you do? Like, you know, the Raiders are in a, they have a lot of holes in their roster. Uh, it, 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 and they're too good. The, the thing is, they're, they're playing too well to blow it up and start again as well. So they're in this weird kind of limbo where it's definitely better for them to lose the last two games of the season. Um, and yet they still mathematically, some bizarre reason, have a chance to make playoffs. So it, it, that shows you, A, how bad football has been this year because it's actually been terrible this year. I've never seen a season like it, but also how bad the Raiders have been that they're, they're in this position, like that after all the money they've spent, all the draft picks they've wasted. It's depressing being a Raiders fan, I can tell you that. It, it doesn't sound ideal. Like, will they get into the playoffs? No, absolutely not. Like if the Dolphins win, I think on <laughs> on Sunday they're already out. Like a load. I think like fourteen different things have to happen for them to get into the playoffs. So, um, I don't think it will happen. And so, Carr then he he said he was going to retire. He said he wanted to retire as a Raider. He didn't want to play anywhere else, but. He still has the potential to take a team to the playoffs and to a Super Bowl. Um, He's only 31. Yeah. Um, the thing is, he holds a lot of the cards here because he has a no no trade clause. So basically the team can't trade him unless he agrees. Um, so if I was him... I would activate that no trade clause and I would just wait until the 15th of February, which is the date that the Raiders have to either pay him the guaranteed money he has for next season or cut him. And I think that's what will happen because why should he, why should he like go anywhere and, you know, get the Raiders draft picks, you know, the Raiders haven't been good to him. So why should he be good to them? So it's, it 
has the potential to be quite messy. Now, the fact he has agreed not to go to training for he's basically on gardening leave for the next two weeks. Um, that maybe he's accepted his fate and he might just help the team out and get those draft picks. I think you probably don't get a first round pick for Carr, but you might get you know a number of second round picks for him. Um, and that could help the Raiders because they have a lot of holes to fill in, in that roster. They are very bad. So um, it, it'll be an interesting one to play out. But just another another typical season of being a Raiders fan with it being an absolute shit show. Like, uh, that seems... They've really fucked this up. Mm. Like, and, like uh, this is the team that was a playoff team last like, year. So, yeah. yeah, like, and, and we spoke about, like, like away from obviously the podcast just in WhatsApps and different things and we spoke about the Raiders and <clears throat> Derek Carr and, and the ceiling and like I was half expecting this year to be a year where they kicked on again and again I'm a novice with NFL but just from watching last year and what you were saying and, and even what Rizal talks about and then like they seem to have this ability and maybe I'm wrong to just completely fuck things up no, they that's exactly what that's exactly what they do. Um I I can't begin to describe what this team there's no there's no even analogy for them in like in, in, in football like that I could even compare them to. Like just think about last year, right? Last year they made the playoffs and should have beaten the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that that, that kinda that went on to play in the Super Bowl. Um, in the first round of the playoffs, of absolutely horrendous refereeing call cost them cost them the game. But last season, <laughs> in a year they did do well, their head coach was sacked because of racist and misogynistic and homophobic emails he sent. Their star wide receiver killed a woman and her dog because he was drunk and on drugs and speeding in Las Vegas. And they still managed to, to reach the postseason. Uh, and, and that's the kind of ride you were on as a Raiders fan, that even when things are good, even <laughs> the, the last year before that, that they made the playoffs, the, their quarterback broke his leg on Christmas Eve. Um, it, it's a cursed franchise. Like it, it is positively cursed and it has been that way for as long as I have been following them, which is 25 years. Um, so yeah, it's, but again, like part of me wouldn't have it any other way because like there's, <laughs> there's something about the team that just makes me love them, even though they absolutely drive me to Like, I don't know how many times I went to bed at 1am on a Monday morning this year, having watched the Raiders lose on the last play of the game, it happened so often that my wife said to me, "Why do you do this to yourself?" And it's like I, I was about to ask the same thing. I can't help it. I, I like why, why when Liverpool were, I wouldn't say quite say a laughing stock, but when Liverpool were a middle of the road team. Did you still continue to watch them every week? Did you still <laughs> yeah. continue to go to game? You can't help it. That's what sport does to you. Sport makes you make terrible, terrible personal decisions. You just, it's, I think it's like a sick way we enjoy the pain. Mm. Um, oh, 100%. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And, but, but like, you have to have the bad to enjoy the good. This yeah, is the thing. Like, yeah. for too long as a Manchester United fan, like, 
all I knew was winning. So yeah. when United didn't win a league title, I was like, that's grand, we'll win it next year. <laughs> because we always did, you know. Mm. Um, but now, now that they've gone through this lean period, it's like, oh, winning something, winning a Champions League, winning a Premier League will mean so much more. It, the only thing I can compare it to is 99. Like a, a league title now for United or a Super Bowl for the Raiders would mean as much as the 99 season. Because it's been so like starved of success over the, mm. the intervening time. Like, mm-hmm. um, And then we have the NBA. Yes. Uh, and where Steve and the NBA were potentially the best three players in the NBA at the minute are all Europe- European. It's incredible. Like it's 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 just unbelievable, and I don't think that's even a controversial take. That's the thing. Like if if you'd have said this to me five years ago, I'd have said, "Get the fuck out!" Like <laughs> there's no way the three best players in the league could be European. And now, it, to me, it, it I think they are. Um, and someone asked me the other day, like, when does Luca get into the? the greatest of all time conversation, like top five players of all time. And you know what? Like, that's not a stupid question because it is a question of when do we start talking about them in that company, in the LeBron, in the Jordan, in the Kareem, in the Kobe conversation, because he is that good. You cannot do what he did the other night, which is a 60 point triple double. Like we've never seen anything like it before. And like, I, I, I'm trying to trying to think of a way of like go to YouTube and watch how he finished years old. Yeah. He's just unbelievable. Like he is and he's not like if you're not familiar with Luka Doncic, he is not a specimen of an athlete. He looks like a guy that you'd sit down at the bar in a pub and watch a football game with. Like mm-hmm. he he really does, but he has an he is uh, Again, I'm going back to this the vibe thing I talked about earlier. He's he has that clutch gene that if 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 I was putting my mortgage or my life on a player to make a shot at the end of a regulation, it's Steph Curry one A and it's Luca one B without question. Like he's just unbelievably good at making important shots, um, and he just does it day in day out. Um, is phenomenal, and, and I think he said Jokic isn't that far behind him in terms of what he means to his team. And then there's Giannis, who I would have said, like, if you'd asked me three years ago, I'd have said Giannis would be the best European player we've ever seen, and that's already changed. Like, that's how much European basketball is affecting, or European players are affecting the NBA at the moment. Do you think he can win a title at Dallas? No. That's the thing. I, not I, this current Dallas team. Not this not current him. Dallas. Yeah, he can't win a title with this current Dallas. I think what we've seen, what we've seen over the last decade, I suppose, is you need that second superstar, and the the Mavericks' second best player was an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in Chris in Christian Wood. Um, so I don't think he I don't think this iteration of, of the Mavericks come in a title. I think if they make the trade, if they think if they make any trade and bring another doesn't even have to be a superstar, it doesn't even have to be a guy in a max contract. 
just has to be someone who can who can I suppose be the clay to to Steph or be the Steph to Durant as uh, <clears throat> as they were for for you know you know the 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 Warriors dynasty. I think you just need that second player. If you can get a third, brilliant, you're guaranteed the title. But you need you need that second player. Um, and I will they do it or will he be traded? Away? I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll leave Dallas. So why would they let him go? Um. Well, well, there, there, there has been talk and and wild rumors that Denver will be looking to put something together to have <laughs> uh, Luka Doncic and Jokic together um, on the same team. Which I mean, I, I think Denver they'd have to probably sell the city, the actual city, trade it to Dallas <laughs> um, to hand that over. I don't like. I don't. I, I can't see a spot where he goes and he wins it for another team. I think this is a case uh, a bit like and I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan yet but a bit like Jordan where he was that good they realised, hang on, we're going to have to get our chips in a row here and start getting players in with him because yeah. we have potential here to have a dynasty. They do yeah. have potential, they have potential the right players around him to, and it doesn't have to be, as you just said one other player superstar or whatever not even like top five or six it doesn't yeah it doesn't even have to be a superstar like that's the yeah. thing like Chris Middleton with the books Chris Middleton yeah. is the reason Giannis was able to win a title Drew Holiday yeah. too yeah but yeah. that's the thing like these are like don't get me wrong they're all NBA all-stars but they're not superstars you know they don't need to be you could walk by them in the street and maybe like obviously they're you know, six foot seven, so you'd know they're played basketball, but you yeah. mightn't necessarily know who they are. Um and, and that's what Luca needs. He needs his Chris Middleton. Um I don't think he has it um at the moment. Um but I, I would rather see him I would rather see him win the title there than go elsewhere and win it. Um because I just think, you know, it's that Durant got that a little bit because when he went to the Warriors and stuff. Um, but I don't think you win it with Spencer Dinwiddie, <laughs> you know, and, and Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Christian Wood. I, I, I just don't think you do. Um, but, like, it is only one player. Do you know what I mean? And, like, they can make that happen. Um, I'd rather see him. I would again. I'd rather see him win it there than than go to Denver. What if it was Kyrie yeah. Irving? No, I wouldn't like to see that. <laughs> he like they would probably win the title with Kyrie, but I wouldn't like to see it. No, I'm just thinking like players that you could match up with them. Um, I'd also like, and and this is probably beside the point, but Jason Kidd was one of my favorite. Yeah. NBA players of all time, and I'd love to see him win the title. Um, I quite like to see Steph Curry go to Dallas. Oof, don't say that. Shut your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> I was just saying that Donovan Mitchell would have been a good one. Mm. Um, what do you call the boy? Ah, he's going to be Darian, Darian Fox, Sacramento. You know, Trey Young. Oof, Trey Young at Dallas with Luka Doncic. I think uh, they'll be ser- They will be serious contenders. And as DeAndre you said, Aiden have... was one of the ones that was coming up as well. Who? DeAndre Aiden. Yeah. Again. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff happening in um, 
in Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, so I, th- I don't know. There's if, <laughs> there, I think Mike Conley as well for the Jazz. I think that was another name. I'm trying to mm-hmm. trying to think. And uh, Trey Young. I mean, Trey Young. They absolutely win a title, but that's not happening. You know. Um, no, I'm not or let that happen. But that would yeah. be ridiculous. I think that's that's like that's a yeah. sweep. That's a sweep in the finals. Like you know, so yeah. All I need to do is add like one, like even I'd look out. This will never happen. But can you imagine if he played with Damon Lillard? Oh, <laughs> Damon Lillard. That's not happening because he's pouring through a three. And I love that. I I love Damon Lillard. I love him to bits. Yeah. I think he's brilliant and he's going to stay at Portland. But David Lillard at the Mavs with Luka Doncic and maybe even someone like uh, like a Drew Holiday or someone like that there just added in extra or Kyle Lowry. Someone just else, someone of that, um, not talking position wise, but just someone of that stature, of that um, level. Then, yes, good luck. Here's, here's one that, like, you won't sell a lot of jerseys. Terence Ross of Orlando Magic, I, I think he's he he is the Chris Middleton to to Lucas to Lucas um, Giannis. Giannis, yeah, I think I think someone like that. It doesn't even have to be like someone. It just has to take them that step above that gives that their plus minus basically is in the plus when when Lucas off the court because he plays a lot of minutes. That's the other thing about Luca for a guy who doesn't look exceptionally fit. He does play a lot of minutes, and mm. over the course of a, a finals and a playoffs, that that will wear you out. But like, I, I'd love to see him win a title because, uh, again, that this was where the conversation ended the other day. Is like for him to get into that like top five greatest players we've ever seen, he needs at least two titles. Um, and with this current that Mavs um lineup, he's not going to win one. So, and I I think. Where he wins them is important, so I'd like to see him stay. Um, you know, very easy for him to go to a, a contender and uh, win, but to turn the Mavs into a contender single hand, almost single handedly, is a bigger achievement. So it's, but it's fun to watch. Like he's just exceptionally fun to watch. You and I, you know, we we talked a lot of basketball during the COVID season, and that shot he made. Remember that ridiculous shot where he's yeah. falling backwards like into the yeah. empty stadium like but he does that week in week out <laughs> that's the thing like, he's making those shots on a consistent basis and when he when he threw the free throw against the glass the other night to force the rebound and then falling away dropped it in for two points and to level the game just he'd already 53 points in the game at that stage he could have walked away with a 53 point triple double and he that wasn't enough for him. He still wanted to win the game. Um and I think he's just a special, special player. Very, very much so. Um the one like we talk about I'm not putting them in the same ilk as Pele, but I would look for when Dallas is on and their times to see if I can try and watch some of their games. Like they're on the all night during yeah. Christmas and I was buzzing because it was half seven against the Lakers to try and watch their games because he's playing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's be, appointment television. Yes, you've said that about him before. He he is one hundred percent appointment television. Um, and Lowe may continue, and I really hope he does get someone in at Dallas and and win the title because 
then we can start talking about him being in, in that upper echelon echelons because until he, he wins the title, people won't. Yeah. Um, and by the way, what he does, the third pick, yeah. the third pick in the draft, the Suns and Kings. What are you thinking? <laughs> and now, uh, and who did they go for in the end? DeAndre Ayton Kings was, went, yeah, Ayton was, yeah. Ayton was one, and Bagley was, and Bagley was two, yeah. Oh, was it Bagley? I thought it was Bagley, Bagley yeah, 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 right. Um, good luck, lads. Yeah. But yes, um, the NBA. This is this is for me anyway, where I started taking it a bit more serious. The turn at Christmas, um, Christmas Day games, which are just unreal always. Um, to have them on, and then now is where it starts to kick in, starts to get a little bit serious, um, right through until um. Obviously, the playoffs start, so yes, we'll be interesting. We'll try and sneak a bit more in as the season goes on, Steve. Um, yeah, we keep Brendan and, and the lads in in the pub. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. our, that's our way in. Yeah, um, I think that'll do us for tonight. Uh, the last one of 2022, covered a lot. Um, we'll be back then probably on Monday evening, although there's another round of fixtures during midweek again next week, so it's going to be a pretty hectic schedule. And uh, low may continue. Um, so we're back with that. Obviously, all, all our teams are up this weekend. Who do you know to play this weekend? That's a good question. I actually don't know. <laughs> Liverpool play um, Leicester tomorrow night at Anfield. Big yeah, I don't fancy that one. <laughs> After all my talking, you know, you don't fancy that one. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But folks, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this 2022 of the battle. We'll also be back uh, next week to kick off 2023 with more uh, talk and chat. And hopefully have all the lads on chat about what's going on with our teams. We'd love to hear what Mud's thoughts are and what we've said with Arsenal tonight. If he has murdered us by the time the next podcast recorded, and um, Brenton and Paddy likewise. Um, Catch all of our stuff on any of your podcast apps. Just look for the Football Babble Pod. You'll see us there. And remember to like and subscribe, especially on iTunes. Drop us a little review as well. Get us on patreon.com forward slash babble too. Head over there if you want to donate, whatever it is. Any little help, it's all worthy, and we really appreciate all of it. And uh, catch us across social media on Football Babble Pod, on Twitter and Instagram. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, have a happy new year. Um, and we'll chat these in 2023. Good luck.